Amen. This morning I'm going to uh, continue my series on dare to trust Him. Dare to trust Him. And the challenge and encouragement I have is for you to put your trust in God. Put your faith in Him. And if you're honest, we... We will admit, because I have to admit that this whole idea of faith and living by faith is not as easy as it looks. Definitely not as easy. And living by faith and walking by faith and trusting God has its challenges. And uh, that's why I think I struggle with people who have it all figured out all the time, you know. And they are these prosperity people who just... You know, if you have faith, you'll be rich and wise and healthy and everything else. Yes, that is God's promise. But living a life trusting and being faithful and having faith in God and living a walk of faith is challenging. And, uh, you know, I just, I shake my head because I don't know which kind of Bible they read or which kind of God they serve. Because I don't know. Because my walk sometimes is a roller coaster ride. My walk of faith is a roller coaster ride. Because I have my highs and I have my lows too. Because that's life. His promise is His presence through those highs and those lows. And of course we have a real enemy who's just looking for a reason to tear us apart. We really do. And so we will have those ups and downs. And uh, like someone shared, if you don't wake up in the morning and have a head-on collision with the devil or the enemy, you're probably going in the same direction as he is. Because it's true, sometimes you get out of bed and it hits you right, bam, straight up. Here's the thing, as we walk by faith, what we've got to do is trust him totally. Trust that the Lord will guide our paths and He will provide. He will take care of us because He knows how to do that. Especially when things go get beyond our own control. Especially when things are beyond our control. What we got to do is trust Him. Trust Him. And of course, faith and real faith is, is always tested too. Real faith is always tested and especially when we have a need and we've been holding on to God and trusting Him but we don't seem to get an answer. When we need that breakthrough but we don't seem to be getting that breakthrough even though we've been praying and trusting God and we've been waiting on Him and we don't seem to get that breakthrough as such. Here's the thing that I have realized and know the Word of God teaches us and a lot of people have experienced this. Sometimes when we walk by faith, we have to walk by faith for, a, for an extended period of time because we don't always see answers immediately. And the challenge and the encouragement here that we get through the Word and what I want to encourage us with today is hold on to Jesus even if it seems that there is no end to the trouble we're in right now. Dare to trust Him even when the storms you are going through right now are real rough and it's still, the clouds are still dark. Dare to trust Him. 
Even though it is still dark, trust Him. One of the parts from the video we watched on, on Wednesday, it, uh, it stuck with me a lot. It's, it, it, he said, it's not the lack of faith that brought us into this situation, but it is the strength of our faith that is going to see us through the situations. And that's what it is when we challenge you and challenge me to trust Him in spite of going through those long extended valleys in our lives. And here's the truth again. If our faith is not nurtured and built during these seasons too, we will grow weak and fall away. Even in those tough situations. The text I picked up for today is, yes, about faith, but it also honors a woman and a mother whose faith has impacted not just the life of the whole nation of Israel, but whose faith still impacts us today. Because this woman left an amazingly godly legacy, and I want us to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I want to talk about Hannah, the the mother of prophet Samuel. And as you turn to 1 Samuel 1, a brief background, you realize, and most of us have probably read these stories, uh, the story about her. We know that she was going through a really hard time in her life. I want to read the first few, the first couple of verses in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, there was a certain man from Ramah, Ramathem, a Zufite. Sorry, I just laugh at all these names sometimes. Like, I don't know. Ramathem, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, and the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina. I don't know. Panini. I don't know. Whatever. I, I honestly, I was reading it. I called her Panini. This Panini every time. but Just my sense of humor. But um, Penina had children, but Hannah had none. That's the whole point here. Panini had children. Hannah didn't have any. And what you realize is that Hannah is going through a season in her life. And of course, like anybody, normal person, she's tempted. She is tempted like all of us are tempted when you're going through a hard time to give up, to quit, abandon our faith. Or even to, you know, let me say this carefully, to accept this as God's will. Sometimes that's a really good cop out. Oh, this is God's will, so I don't want to pray anymore. Now, yes, it may be God's will, but we don't quit praying. But through it all, she remained committed to God, trusting Him to provide in His time and in His way. And here's the truth. Walking by faith requires that commitment, that commitment to trusting God 
through those extended trials in our lives. You cannot have faith only in the good times. You cannot trust Him only on those mountaintops. When you really need to trust God, it is during those valleys, those dark times in our lives, through those trials in our lives. And Hannah's story, especially in the first uh, couple of chapters, really, really encourages us to do the same thing. To commit to trusting Him because her story beautifully portrays genuine trust in God. Genuine trust and commitment to God. And I want us to examine certain details of our life as we read this. And the faith and the commitment of Hannah. Number one, you see, you notice that her faith was tested. The first few verses itself suggest that her faith was tested. And it wasn't just for a short period of time. It was tested over a certain I mean, over several years. The very first few, few verses suggest that she's going through such a hard time. She is going through a hard time, but through it all, she maintains her faith. What was the test? Number one, she was barren. Did not have any children. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. And she had children, but Hannah had none. It's kind of interesting and that's a whole other theological debate where in verse 5 and 6 it says the Lord had shut her womb but that's a total different story. Hannah was barren. She wanted to have children but was not able to have children and of course the situation is out of her control. There's nothing she can do about it and you know Mother's Day is really kind of hard because... On one hand, we celebrate and honor mothers, but we are sensitive to the fact that there are women who can identify with Hannah as she was going through right now. And we are sensitive to that as a church. And Because like Hannah, many of them desire to, to have children, but for some reason or another, they aren't able to conceive. And so we are sensitive to that. We sympathize with that. And While we sympathize with that, we also, I mean, we may not be able to relate to this aspect of Hannah's life, but we all can relate to the aspect that sometimes things are out of our control. Because we've all gone through things like that. Where things have been out of our control, beyond our ability to control. But regardless of how out of her control the situation was, she still trusted God. Her faith was tested by a situation that was beyond her control. She was barren but also she was ridiculed. Because the Lord, verse 6 and 7, and keep your hand in the chapter we'll be going through. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. To annoy her basically. Taunting her to annoy her. This went on for how long? Year after year. Year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her. She was provoked. She was made fun of. She was mocked. And, you know, the family dynamic here was was not in Hannah's favor at all. Yes, Elkanah kind of showed favor to her, but the rest of it was not. 
definitely jealousy between these women, you know. They're married to the same man. Some have, one has kids and one doesn't have. And you can see the conflict. And you can see how much this, uh, she agonizes over something like this, if you read the story. That this really gets to her because all this other lady does is mock her, taunt her, provoke her, irritate her, annoy her. This just added to the, you know, it's like adding salt to an injury, basically, to that wound. When you, she's already barren, but all this woman does is just rub it in. She's tested in such a way. And it's just, like I said, adding insult to injury right here. And here's the thing that we need to pay attention to here. Because it doesn't say it explicitly, but it implies it here. Verse 7, it says, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her what's significant about that why do people go to the house of the lord why do we go to the house of the lord to worship and to to pray so she wasn't just mocking her barrenness what she was mocking was her faith what's the point of going and praying what's the point of you going and having all this faith that's mocking, that's provoking, and what she did was attack her faith. Why are you praying? I mean, you've done this before, nothing seems to happen, why? And I can picture in my mind, in my head, I can picture Hannah being insulted all the time as this lady is hurling insults at her faith. And here's the thing that we need to consider. When you walk or when you decide to walk and put your trust of walk by faith or put your trust in Christ, when you go through a hard time, go through a difficulty, there will always be people in your life who will mock you and challenge you and insult your faith. So you say you're a Christian. Why is this happening to you? Where's all that faith that you had? If God is so good, why is this happening to you? There's always going to be people, and of course we know the enemy, but the enemy, the devil. But we always know there are going to be people in our lives, and sometimes they're found in the church who will come and challenge our faith and say, Hey, what's the point of you having so much faith? Where is your God in the middle of this situation? And they will mock you and insult you and annoy you and attack your faith. All they do is add, like I said, in the midst of your despair, all they do is just rub it in. And the enemy does the same thing because all he wants to do is take away faith and put doubt in there. Does God really care for you? If God really loves you, why would this be happening to you? He wants to create doubt. That's one of his tactics. Question your doubt. Question your faith. Because when you question your faith, sure enough, soon enough, he knows he's going to trip you up and you're going to fall away. He never plays fair. It's when you are weak and beaten down, that's when he swings in for the, you know, the knockout punch. He isn't going to wait for you to stand up. He's going to get you while you are down, while you're out, while you're depressed, while you're struggling. That's when he's going to come in and try and knock you out. Challenge your faith, but you cannot allow the enemy to win. She did not. Her faith was tested even though she was barren. She, <coughs> she was mocked and insulted. 
And the fact that you see her faith was tested because she was really broken. She was really broken. Year after year, she went up to the Lord, to the Lord's house. And what does it say there in verse 7? She wept and did not eat. She wept and did not eat. The taunting became so intense that it started affecting her own physical self as such. Broken, totally broken mentally and now it's breaking her down physically too because she's weeping and sobbing and she's not eating anymore. Hannah's faith was put to that ultimate test and like I said, we may not relate to the specific situation, but we can all relate to Hannah in this regard. Because in our Christian work, there may have been people and there may have been the enemy himself who came and whispered in our ear to quit. Curse God and die. We're going through such a hardship and we are so weak. We're not, it's affecting us physically and we can't eat. And then right when we're doing that, someone comes and starts mocking even, oh, is it really a problem? That's not a problem. It's so cool. And they have the idea and they have the answers already figured out. They even mock the fact that you are going through a hard time. Oh, this must not even be real. I pray we're never those kind of people. When we are down, he sweeps in to knock us out. In moments of our this depression, if I can call it, in our despair, he seeks to destroy us. But the truth is this, we've got to hold on to God like she did. Her faith was tested, but she was committed. That's the key word. She was committed to trusting him. She was committed to trusting him. And this is seen in her determination that she possessed. The determination that she possessed, and if you read verses 9 all the way through 16, you see this. Her commitment to God is seen time and time again. Rather than give in and be defeated, she started believe and start believing the lies that she's been told. Start believing the doubt that the enemy is trying to put into. She chooses to commit to trusting God. Trusting Him. Again, I said this a little while earlier, it's it's easy to have faith when everything is going good. But when things really go sideways, when everything seems so dark and when you feel alone, that's when you really need to have faith. That's when you really need to be committed to trusting Him. It's easy to trust God when everything is going good. But the challenge of faith is trust Him when everything is going sideways. And she was committed to trusting Him and you see this in her prayer. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to God, weeping bitterly. Weeping bitterly. Hannah's situation had not changed and it's been years and, she, and, and she's in such deep uh, anguish. But she hadn't stopped praying. She didn't stop trusting. She refused to give up. Instead, what she did, she poured out her heart before God, weeping before him as she poured out her heart's desire to him. Hannah knew that there was only one person who could answer, and that was God. And she wasn't going to quit. She wasn't going to quit. 
Church, trials and troubles are never fun. But the thing about them is that they have the potential for us to either draw close to God or turn our backs on Him. The trial that she went to year after year made her still stick close to God. Drew closer and intimate with God. That's the challenge for us too. Because either we will seek Him more or we'll give up and walk away. The choice is ours. But Hannah was committed to trusting Him even when she didn't understand why. Even when she didn't understand why. She said, and she just... Again, remember, she's not just praying one time. She's praying this year after year after year. It wasn't just a one-time prayer. She prayed, and see what she prayed. As she prayed, she made a vow. She made a promise. She said, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. In the midst of her despair, Hannah remained committed to the Lord. She desired a child more than anything else. She desired a, a child more than anything else. Yet she promised God, if you give this to me, I will give it back right to you. Think about it. She was willing to offer to God the one thing she desired the most. Now I thought about it for a little while because sometimes we make prayers very similar to this. God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. Now, is that okay to make that prayer? It just depends on the intentions of your heart. Okay, if you give me a million dollars, then I'll give you this much. We make this prayer sometimes not knowing. But if you read the rest of the story, you see exactly she did what she committed to doing in the beginning before it even happened. She committed. She followed through with what she prayed. And I've been, I'll be honest, I've been pastoring for a while now. And there are quite a few people who've prayed for a breakthrough, prayed for jobs, prayed for something. And God answers and, you know, but slowly but surely, something happens. Just this past week, I was talking to a young couple and he said, you know, I can't wait to get my million dollars so I can tithe my $100,000 to church. And then I asked him straight up. Do you tithe right now? And he looked at me like, uh. And I told him, and I've said this before, if you don't learn to tithe your first $10 out of your 100, you will never tithe when you have $100,000. It's just true. It's just true. Because honestly, think about it. Oh, it's the church is talking, pastor's talking about money again. It's the word of God. You can go argue with it. Here's the truth. The tithe is such a simple way to test your commitment to trusting him. It's just evidence of your trust in him. She was committed. She was committed. She prayed a prayer, made a vow, but followed through with that because she was committed to trusting him. No matter what the result, she was committed to trusting him. Even though she was hurting, even though she was being taunted, even though she was mocked, she committed to trusting him. She committed to trusting him in the midst, like I said, of your deep despair. Commit to trusting him. Commit to trusting him. As Hannah prayed before the Lord, what happened? Eli, who's the priest at that point in time, he, she got his attention. And of course, Eli thinks that she is 
I mean, she can, if you read the story, Eli can see her lips moving, her mouth moving, but no words coming out. And Eli assumes that this person is drunk as such. But when he comes and talks to her and inquires, he finds out when he confronts her as such, he finds out that that's not the case. That she's in such deep despair that she's crying out to God, but the words, can't, she can't even sound them out. And Eli says to her, go in peace. Go in peace. Here's the thing, church. Her faithful commitment to trusting God, to prayer, was noticed and recognized by the man of God. Yes, initially he noticed something, yes. But when he found out what really was happening, he says, go in peace. Go in peace. Let me say something here for a minute. You may be carrying a burden today that no one else knows or understands, like I said. Maybe some people, maybe some people are aware of your burden as such, but they may not be able to relate to it as such. Again, maybe some people just don't even think you really have a problem. But here's the thing. God notices what you're going through. God notices what you're going through. People may miss it, but God notices even though they do not understand. God sees, God knows, God cares. And he sent and through the voice of Eli, he said, go in peace. Go in peace. Her faith was tested, but she was committed to trusting him. And then you see what happens. Her faith was rewarded. Her faith was rewarded if you read verses 17 through 20. We don't know exactly the time frame in which things happen. We don't know. We don't even know how long she's been carrying these burdens or how old she really is. But we see that her persistent commitment to God, her persistent commitment to prayer was rewarded. Brought the results she desired. What it really did is it renewed her hope. When she heard Eli say, go in peace, it renewed her hope. Go in peace and may the Lord of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. She hadn't got her answer yet. She hadn't got that baby that she was waiting for. She wasn't even pregnant yet. All she did was trust what God had to say through his man, saying, go in peace. And she was not downcast anymore. She was not downcast anymore. Go in peace. She got up and she ate something. Following a time, her life began to change. Eli spoke this word of blessing over her and Hannah's hope was renewed. She began to eat again. Her countenance was now filled with joy instead of sorrow. Joy instead of sorrow. She still did not know how things were going to play out. She still did not know how things were going to happen. But her faith was renewed and she had a positive outlook right now because she had heard from God. Life will always have its share of difficulties and trials. But that's why he gave us a comforter called the Holy Spirit. To comfort us in the midst of the trial. 
comforter. He's the one who gives us that peace we're looking for. He's the one who brings us that peace in our hearts, even though the storm just rages on. We come to the Holy Spirit, our comforter. He comforts us. Here's the thing. All you got to do is bring your burden and leave it at his feet. That's it. She came there, and I can picture her just lying prostrate before, before the Lord right there. Weeping and praying. Words not coming out. But all she was doing is laying her burdens down at his feet. That's when her hope was renewed. That's when her hope was renewed. You might not find the answer you desired, but I'm certain you will find peace at his feet. Peace in his presence. Peace in the midst of the storm. In his presence, what you got to do. And he gives us strength there too. Because she ate. That ate, that physical strength. He gives us that too when we are committed to him. Renewed hope. And look at her praise. Then she got up in verse 19. She rose up in the morning early. Worshipped the Lord. Worshipped before the Lord. And returned and came to their house in Ramah. Bear in mind again. She hasn't conceived yet. She isn't pregnant yet. But what does she do? Worship God before she leaves. Worship God before she has received the blessing that is promised. I'm convinced that she is praising God in advance because she knows that God is going to answer her prayer. She's worshiping God in advance before she receives the blessing. She offers her praise in advance. Her faith is now strong and it affected her worship. She worshiped him now. Church, we don't praise him. Again, I said this just a while ago. We don't praise him only on the mountaintops. We got to learn to praise him in the valleys. We've got to learn to praise him in the tough times, in the storms. We have got to learn to praise him in advance because we know God is able to see us through the darkest storm in our life. Praise him in advance. Praise him in advance. She did not, like I said, she did not have an answer yet, but she worshipped before they left. She worshipped the Lord. We don't praise Him like I said. We don't praise Him just because of what we're going to get. We praise Him because of who He is. Your praise cannot be dependent only on the gifts that He gives you. It cannot be dependent only on the blessing that's going to come. Your praise needs to be dependent on His faithfulness and who He is in your life. I'll be honest, if God doesn't answer a single prayer of mine from now till forever, till I'm gone, I still have reason to praise him because he saved my soul. That's simple. He's given me eternal life and I have reason to praise him even if I have nothing and no prayer ever answered again. The way I want it to. I still have reason to praise. I pray we be encouraged. Commitment to the Lord requires praise her faith, her faith was rewarded because she praised God even in the midst of her trials but she praised God before she even saw an answer saw an answer I read this somewhere if you are determined to wait until every prayer is answered before you praise the Lord you won't be worshiping him much at all 
Let me read that again. If you are determined to wait until every prayer is answered before you praise him, you won't be worshiping him at all. Go ahead and praise him in advance. Praise him because he saved your soul. Her faith was rewarded. Her, her faith is renewed. Her hope is renewed. She sings the song of praise. And you see this uh, later on. We look at it. Her praise that she has. But you see what happens in verse 20. It says, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. This is the reward. Her answered prayer. In the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. And Samuel means what? Because I asked the Lord for him. Every time she said the name Samuel, it reminded her that God answers prayers. Amen. Every time she called him, it's a reminder that God answers prayers in his time according to his will. He answered Hannah's prayer. He knew the burden that she carried for years. Again, we don't know how long she's been going through this. But through it all, she stayed faithful and God answered her prayer. God heard her prayer. Church, God is faithful even today to hear the prayers of his children. He is faithful to hear our prayers. He proved himself faithful to her again. Again, please understand and you know this. He doesn't always answer prayers like we want him to answer prayers or in the time frame we desire to have it answered. But all we got to do is trust him, his plan, his will, and done in his way, in his time. That's it. Trust in him. Her faith was tested, but she was committed to trusting God. And we see her faith was rewarded. It's such an easy formula, really, it looks like. Her faith was tested, but she was committed to trusting God. And you see her faith rewarded. But that was not the end. That really was not the end because you realize when we live by faith, we leave a godly legacy too. This woman lived by faith. Through the test, she stayed committed, she was rewarded. But more than that, she left a godly legacy. A godly, and that's my fourth point, a godly legacy. Because she impacts the lives of one kid called Samuel. Samuel impacts the life of the whole nation of Israel. Even though God gave Hannah a son. And Hannah gave him back to God as such. She didn't stop being a mother to him. It says she bought him gifts every year. She brought gifts to Samuel. She made special clothing just for him. But here's the thing. More than just the gifts she gave him, she left him a godly legacy. More than just the gifts she brought him, she left him a godly legacy. What did she treat him? What did she leave him? She left him her passion. And as I finish, I wanted these three points. The godly legacy she left was a passion for God's presence and for prayer. Presence and for prayer. I have no doubt that she told and reminded Samuel about the miracle that he really was. How she had prayed in God's presence, wept year after year, and how she had spent time praying 
And God answered her prayer. I'm no doubt that she told Samuel and reminded Samuel about it. She told him about how God was faithful. And you see this, actually. Because you see the same thing happening when Samuel was a young man. He hears a voice. And he doesn't know what it is, but the prophet Eli, or the priest Eli says, Hey, next time, guess what? Say, here I am, God, speak. And if you read that portion later on in chapter 3, it says what? Lord, here I am. And it says the Lord spoke to Samuel. She taught him a love for his presence. And that taught him to hear from God. Hear from God. She taught him a passion for his presence. Samuel was raised by a mother who took God's presence seriously. And so he developed a strong prayer life, if you want to say it. And why was that important? Because, again, think about it. Why was it important to recognize, like Eli told him, to recognize God and listen to God? Because if you read it, it says the Lord, in verse 33, it says, in chapter 3, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. God kept appearing to Samuel and he had to learn to recognize God's presence and God's voice. Why was that important? Because God was going to ask him to do something totally crazy. While there was a king, he was going to go anoint another king. Who would change the destiny and the history of the whole nation after that. But he had to recognize and obey the voice of God. And he learned that from his mother who did the same thing. She taught him. A passion for his presence. She taught him a passion for praise. Praise and a witness if you want to say that. Samuel, the name itself means what? Heard by God. Heard by God. Hannah was so thankful that God heard a prayer. Again, like I said earlier, every time she called the name Samuel, she remembered that God heard her prayer. And that was her praise. God heard my prayer. That's her testimony. Samuel, God heard my prayer. That's her praise. That's her witness. God heard my prayer. She taught him about praise. It's kind of interesting though. After Samuel is brought up a little, you know, she brings him back and leaves him at the temple with Eli. And she dedicates him back to the Lord. And immediately after that. Hannah worships. Hannah worships God. And it's, it's kind of amazing because you see her, her song of praise or her psalm of praise. And you see that what she says is also taken up by Mary, the mother of Jesus, later on. It didn't hit me till just now, this time while I was reading it. If you read chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mary uses the same words. My soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She taught him praise. Because when she had given back to God what she had committed to giving back to him, she burst out in a song of praise. 
burst out in a song of praise. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak again in arrogance. For the Lord is God, is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. You read that whole song of praise. She taught Samuel. She left a godly legacy of praise. A godly legacy of presence and being in God's presence. A godly legacy of praise. But she also left a godly legacy of service too. Because Samuel served as priest, prophet, and judge. Priest, prophet, and judge. Because Hannah committed to giving him back to God. Hannah committed to giving him back to God to serve the Lord. That was her prayer. If you give him to me, I will give him back to you so that he will serve you. By her example, she taught him how to serve. And Samuel served as priest, prophet, and judge. Priest, prophet, and judge. And technically, he's the first real recognized prophet. And he's the last judge that the nation of Israel saw or nation of Israel had. Chapter 2, verse 26. It says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and his people. God brought Samuel up as he served him. Served him. God raised him up. And it's kind of interesting because if you read through the book of Samuel, people were scared when he walked in. Are you coming in peace, they ask him. Because they're terrified because they recognize he speaks for God. He serves God and he speaks the word of God. People recognize. And it says the whole towns kind of quaked with fear, basically, when he walked into those towns. They knew he spoke for God. They knew his words carried the power of God. But it all started with a mother who was willing. A mother who was willing to give him back to God. Hannah never held a public office as such. She really had no leadership role except for over her children. She didn't even pray out loud while she's praying there. She didn't even pray out loud. Yet God uses her suffering, her test to be a testimony and leave a godly legacy. Bow your heads with me at this time. Hannah's life is definitely a, a journey of faith. Her faith was tested year after year after year. Not just the fact that she couldn't have children, not just barrenness, but her faith was tested because everybody around her were mocking her and taunting her, provoking her, insulting her, challenging her faith as such. Yet she was committed, 
committed to trusting Him. Committed to trusting Him. Staying faithful to God, her Creator. Staying faithful to the one she knew was the only one that could answer her prayer. Even though the enemy was like, hey, give up, quit. She stayed committed. She was willing to give. Offer back to God the one thing she desired the most. The one thing she desired the most, she was willing to give back to God. Her persistence, years of prayer, years of not giving up, was rewarded. Again, realize we don't know the time frame in which she had this Samuel as such. But she heard from God through Eli. And that sorrow changed to joy. She got up and ate. Because her weeping had got God's attention. Her prayers that she had prayed, God saw her tears. Church, I encourage you, don't give up on God. Do not give up on God. All she did was come, lay down at his feet. Pour out her heart. Let go of that burden at his feet and receive his peace. That's the promise for each one of us, but we've got to be committed to trusting Him. No matter how long this valley is, no matter how dark the clouds are, no matter how you know strong this, this raging storm is right now, we've got to commit to trusting Him through it all. Women and mothers, we honor you today. I know that you will never get it all right and check all those boxes. Raising kids like, I mean, I can think about my own mother. It's never going to be easy. Commit to being faithful to God. 
rest of us men. The challenge is the same. Commit to trusting in Him wholeheartedly. Even when you don't understand, even though it's taken such a long time. Trust Him. God knows who you are. He knows where you are. He sees you. He knows what you need. He has an answer and He will do it in His will, in His way, and in His time. All you got to do is say, yes, God, I trust you. Yes, God, I trust you, Lord. Lord, you know there have been times where I've wanted to throw in that towel so bad. What's the point? If God is real, why doesn't he come through for me? And if you are here today asking that same question, what is the point? Is this all true? Is God even real anymore? Let me encourage you this morning to hold on to God and put your trust in Him. Dig into His Word. Read His Word and allow Him to reveal Himself in a way where He says to you, go in peace because those questions you have been asking for, He is going to answer. Please know it may not be the way you want it and may not be in the time frame. But trust Him.